Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to invite you to open that up and let's share it together or open it literally in a tab or open it in a text. And today's sermon title is simply Faithful and True. Would you agree that God is faithful and true? Is God righteous? All right. Well, the holy God that we serve, something we do, especially in a Baptist church, when, uh, when the crowds slow down a little bit, summer's taking off, people take off, sometimes if you're not careful, you'll forget about God. Uh, Ross and I, Ross went to the convention with us last week, and so did Adrian and Barbara. Ross and I went early and did a crossover, knocking on doors. We're not going over 300 doors. You, uh, Derek gave you the update last week, but multitudes of people were saved last week over a hamburger and hot dogs. And it was just a willful, intentional evangelism outreach that we do every year before the Southern Baptist Convention. We joined together with churches from Oklahoma, and we were with, uh, where else, Ross? There were churches from all over. There were different, Texas was a big, because we're close to Louisiana. Next year, the Southern Baptist Convention is going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana. So if you want to go, go ahead and let us know. I'm trying to take folks who've never been to see how bigger the picture is. Derek had never been, Adrian never been, Mike never been, Ross never been. And so uh, we're trying to take as many people. We can take up to 12 people uh, on, on to our, as messengers, as a contributing, and we're in good faith with the Southern Baptist Convention. So if you hear anything in the news, and the New York Post reported on us right after we voted. It said, Southern Baptists ban women. And that was the headline. So just, uh, just so you know, uh, we haven't uh, banned women because Southern Baptists never allowed women to be pastors. Uh, because the Bible says he must be the husband of one wife, and he must be, he must be. We didn't set the standard. We just believe God's holy and righteous and knows what he's talking about. Just as in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we don't fully understand the, why does there, it seems like there's a chain of command. If you're military or law enforcement, that sounds like it's very rigid. But he's God, and he said it, so therefore if we trust his word, then we trust his word. And so everything that you hear outside of the news, obviously, uh, we were there. You can watch it. It was a, it was a blessing to hear 12,000-plus voices singing uh, these songs of, of praise to God. And uh, the division minimized, uh, but you got 40,000 churches. You imagine just in here we have differences of opinions. You imagine 40,000 churches from 50 different states. Uh, there's a lot of cultures and a lot of different uh, backgrounds, ethnicities mixed together coming to praise the Lord Jesus Christ and thinking what we want to do is best for the kingdom that God shows us. So we celebrate what happened this year. We're, we're happy that we're going to be Southern Baptists one more year. So uh, we always said if uh, the, like our Methodist friends and Presbyterian friends are taking a hard left and turning away from God, allowing homosexuality into the church and, and changing the, the, the base, basis of the church, uh, we don't have permission because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We must follow what he says to do. So take your Bibles today and turn to Revelation chapter 19. And I want to know who in the building can actually whistle extremely loud. Anybody? No, I'm talking, I'm talking, like, I'm talking about like one of those hog call whistles where you just basically, I heard it from over here. My dad used to pierce her that yell like that. All right, that's it. Hold on to that. All right? I like it. All right, so what we're going to do is the whistlers, that's your job. You're going to be a whistler, all right? Folks, in these two sections right here, all you have to do is just clap your hands. Can y'all do that? No, louder. Not y'all. You don't get to clap. You're not, you're not hand clappers. All right. Whistlers, you're whistlers. Hand clappers, you're hand clappers. This section here, you get to shout as loud as you can, holy, holy, holy. Got it? And all you guys got one simple task, if you're not a whistler, is hallelujah, which means 
Praise the Lord. So you can say it in English, praise the Lord, or you can say hallelujah in Hebrew if you want to. All right, so stand together and remember your job. What is your job? Loud as you can, like your, your team just won. What's your job? You don't have a job, do you? Your whistler's carrying it. So what's this? Here's what's going to happen. It's on purpose. Hold on one second. You only have a whistler. Ready? We're going to practice and do your job. Go. All right, stop for a second. All right, good. All right, listen, we're practicing for heaven, by the way. If you want to know what we're doing, what are we doing? We're practicing for heaven. Did you, anybody hear this group over here? Except for the whistler, right? Because why? They were doing nothing because they were not assigned anything to do. All right, now what you get to do now, I'll, I'll bring you in. Same thing some of us did when we had a chance to worship the Lord. We did nothing this morning to praise the Lord. So we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. All right, you guys are going to join. Where's the Holy Holy group? All right, you're going to join them, try to counter the, the hand clapping group. What's your job? Or? Praise the Lord, either one. All right, so if, y'all wanna, if you want to assign a cheerleader, come down front, you can do that. Yeah, if y'all want one to, to face you, and if y'all need one, anybody come down front? Come on down, just go ahead and choose. If y'all want to choose somebody, and the whistlers, you don't get any cheerleaders. You're already loud enough. Ready? As loud as you can. Imagine we're in a stadium. Here we go. Y'all ready? As loud as you can. Ready? On the count of three, let's do what we're going to be doing in the throne of heaven. Listen, it's going to be loud in heaven. I want you to see this. Ready? One, two, three. All right, hold on one second. All right. The hand clappers have it pretty easy because y'all just consistently keep it going. You're louder than the rest of them. Listen, so you don't just get one hallelujah. You just got to keep repeating it, all right? Hallelujah. And get louder than your neighbor. All right, look to your neighbor and say, say hallelujah really loud. Come on, even if it's children. All right, say to your neighbor, holy, 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 really loud. Look to your neighbor, tell them. Louder. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? Holy, holy, holy. All right, here we go. On the count of three, one more time. And if this bothers you, heaven's not going to be your place of dwelling. I'm telling you, you're going to hate it because it's going to be loud. And there's going to be thunder in the background. Can we get some audio of thunder back there? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. It's going to be really, really loud in heaven, okay? There's only been one 30-minute break of quietness in heaven, and it's about to break out again in heaven when we read this passage out. Ready? On the count of three, do your job. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. All right. You may be seated. Maybe say, listen, good job. Listen, heaven, think of that. The Bible says multitudes upon multitudes. I thought about that this week when I knew I had to preach this this morning. We're standing in there with 12,000 plus messengers plus all the guests, like Derek said, 16,000 ish. People were all over like ants. And when we sang the voice of multitudes, there were just volumes in there. Can you imagine when there's multiple millions singing, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise to the Lamb, holy, holy, holy. Now, all this praising is happening in heaven, and there's thunder, and there's angelic voices, and these strange-looking creatures are falling down. The, the four and 24 elders are falling down. Heaven is breaking loose, praising God. And listen, we're going to be there being a part of that breaking loose. So when we get there, it's going to be loud in heaven. So take your Bibles, Revelation chapter 19. We're going to try to ex- hit the expressway on this one today. We're going to read and listen. A lot of key things we will miss this morning. We're going to have to skip rocks. And I'm thankful that Mike preached last week. He had the hardest part of Revelation. So I just happened to be out of town the week that the worst or the heaviest lift was uh, to lift. And so 19 today, we're going to get through. Only 21 verses. Let's get through it. <clears throat> After these things I heard, what things? 
Those things Mike preached about last week, 17 and 18, all right? After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, what did they say, church? Hallelujah or hallelujah, same word, okay? Same word. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said what, church? Hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who sat on the throne saying, Amen. What else, church? Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all of you servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, what, church? Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the uh, fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Verse 9, then he said to me, this is, who is me? And this is John, good, correct. Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Now the whole word of God is God's word. But John specifically says that the angel said to him, these are the true sayings of God. Write it down. And so we're going to, the whole celebration of today is going to be, are you invited? Are you invitee? Are you invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Is your name written down on the invitation already? If you're born again, the answer is yes. If you're not sure, then the answer might be no, and you're not going to be here. So there's two feasts. You're going to see this first feast. It's a celebratory, crazy feast in heaven. What we've been looking forward to while we preach, while we sing, while we build church buildings, everything we've actually, up to this point in our history of life, after the cross, we've actually prepared for. And as we prepare, we're looking forward, and there's going to be another feast. So this is the first feast. This is the good one. The other feast will not be good. Let me read verse 9 again. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and I am your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Who is this messenger speaking to John? He's an angel. Every time you see an angel of the Lord, he will always say, hey, don't worship me. Get up. Because he's holy. He's righteous. He's made in the image of God. He's bright. He's arrayed with the fine whites of heaven. And he, you get before an angel, you'll fall down. And so the angel says clearly, get up. Don't worship me. Worship only God. Every time you'll see in the Bible, if someone bows down to worship and it says the angel of the Lord, if you have a New King James, it helps you. In the Old Testament, it's called a Christophany, it's an appearance of Christ before he came to the earth. If the angel that it, the person is speaking with, the human speaking with, allows the person to stay at his feet, that angel is God pre-incarnate, is Jesus pre-incarnate. Understand that? So every angel throughout all of history that's a holy angel would say, get up, get up, get up, don't worship me, please. You've got to turn your attention and your worship to him. So if you read through the scripture, you go, wait a minute, somebody's worshiping angels? You'll see in Old Testament they bowed down because they were in the presence of a righteous messenger of God. 
but every time an angel would do this, get up, unless it's the angel of God, capital A, who is a pre-incarnate Jesus, or Christophany, as we would say. All right, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Here's another white horse, not the same one we saw before in Revelation. This is a different white horse. And he who sat on it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were like many crowns. Were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, of, of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and all of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with a sword which proceeded of, from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray today, Lord, in your presence, knowing that your word is true and you are holy and righteous, that, Lord, that without you we can do nothing. And, Lord, you give us your word so that we know, Lord, we have an appointment to see you face to face one day. We have this marriage supper of the Lamb, Lord, to be attending. And, Lord, if there's people here today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, or someone who might watch this video sometime later in the future, I pray they would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. All right. I want you to see something here as we get ready for chapter 19. Go to your notes. If you have notes and if you didn't receive those today, I want you to actually get a copy of these. This is important. Not that it's my notes. It's that something you can actually take and talk about at work so you can have highlights to go with your scripture. Before I do that, if you're a father this morning, I want you to stand. Father, grandfathers, I want you to stand up this morning. we got something to say. And here's what I have to say to you this morning. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. Listen, aren't we thankful for our dads? Stay standing. I'm also going to challenge you because I'm a father as well. I see some of you in the back. I'm going to challenge you today, this word that we have today before us, you must know the word of God because you're going to be responsible for your children and your children's children and you pass on to generation to generation the word of God. You say, well, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any children living at home anymore. You're still responsible for sharing the, what you know from the word of God. We, as fathers, have been put on this earth in place, not in place of God to take his place, but to show his face and to show his way to our children. You say, well, my children aren't receptive. Listen, are my children are small, you're still responsible. Listen, give it away. If you made mistakes, and by the way, how many dads have ever made a mistake? Raise your hand. I want you all to see. Look, there's no perfect dad in the room. Full of mistakes because we're human. 
But as we go forward, we try to grow more and more in Christ. So I challenge you this morning on Father's Day, mature in Christ. This Word of God is important because we've got to tell our family and our friends. We've got to tell the whole world about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm proud of you, and I thank you that you're here this morning representing your family and yourself and the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Take your notes, if you would, and let's look at the bullets together. I want you to see this. John was given a special name for Jesus. What was his name? Faithful and true. How many of you have relationships like that? Faithful and true. No one? Anyone have a relationship that somebody you say, this is my friend, my, my mother, my father, my whomever might be there, are faithful and true. I have that kind of relationship with my wife. Obviously, she's faithful, she's true, and she'll tell me the truth, and she will share something with me right after church today, I'm sure, that I said or didn't say. Uh, but the, she's, she's that companion that God gave me for life. But this is even greater. But she's let me down before, and I've let her down before. This is God Almighty, Jesus Christ, who never, ever lets us down. He's forever faithful and true. This descriptive name reveals Jesus' total trustworthiness, reliability, and dependability. It describes his character and makes known his words and works as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Why not reverse it? Because Lord of Lords is a word that's going to be called that he is in charge of what? He's in charge of everything. King of kings means he's going to conquer what? Everything. Lord of lords, king of kings. He is in charge uh, today. When we pray today, when we sing today, when we preach today, our mind should be that we actually are preaching and we're uh, preaching for, on, in his behalf, we're singing to, directly to the throne of God. We're, we're actually representing, we're ambassadors of Christ today who is the King of kings and Lord of lords? We should know that when you pray. Don't just pray to the old man up in heaven or the old guy, right? As a matter of fact, we just sing how great is our God. Did we not? When we teach our children to many times to say the blessing when they start to say grace, what do we say? Say it like this. God is, God is great, right? And then we say God is good. Let us thank him what? What's that? Because it gets, it gets convoluted. It depends on where you're from after this, right? We all start the same, but we don't finish the same. Somebody know it? Know the prayer? Anybody know it? You nervous about this morning? Anybody know the prayer? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him as we should. You ever heard that? I have. I've got it mixed up. All right. Let's thank you for our what? Food. By his hands. We all are fed or shall be fed, and some people say, give us, Lord, our, all right, so if you're eating it, he don't have to give it, we're asking in vain, aren't we? Uh, we're asking for something we already have there in our hand. How many else had heard something different when you were growing up? Did you hear it a different way? When you get to be older in your faith, you should not sit down to the table and sit down and say God is great only. Now, is it wrong for an adult to say God is great, God is good? Absolutely not, because what we're saying is, God, you're great, and God, you're good. And we're giving thanks for the very thing that God said for us to do. We're putting him in his right perspective, right in place, and we're saying, God, number one, that's who you are. When our focus, before I put this meal in my mouth, I'm going to put my hand up. Thank you. Chairman Deacon's already brought me some, but I didn't bring it up here. Steve, uh, thank you, Kristen. Sorry, y'all, I hate to drink.
go to your notes and see this with John. John hears of heaven shouting the glory of God. God is praised for his salvation, glory, honor, and his power. John just opens it up and takes off with praise. He writes down exactly what he sees because I've thought about this. When we talked about the 24 elders, who are they? And most scholars would say it's 12 of the, 12 of the tribes of Israel, maybe, and the 12 apostles that are represented in the New Testament. So Old Testament, New Testament, potentially. I'm okay with that. But when I think about that, and that's how I think, and I, don't, I won't put that out as a, as a dogmatic because the Bible never says who they are, but God's always a God of order. But if that's the case, if the 12, secondary 12 uh, of the 24, John is actually seeing himself bow before God because he's seeing into the future. So John is seeing himself, and I wonder how that works. How did John see himself in the future worshiping God? Well, if the 24 elders is not the 12, uh, 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, if it's not, then the multitudes in heaven in the future are worshiping God. So will John see himself in the future, in the present future, serving God? Somehow, you can't, you gotta, can't get past it. John has seen or is seeing himself in the midst of the multitude, or he's seen himself before the throne. I can't help but think that when John wrote this down, he's like, wow, I'm, I don't even want to take time to write this down. Where did John want to be? Same as Paul. Paul said, it's better. Listen, if I, what's better? I can't decide if it's better for me to go or to stay. It's better for you if I stay because I'm trying to give you what God gave me. But my heart's desire is to go. So if John saw himself, and Paul, we know, the Bible says Paul actually had a visit to the third heaven, to the proper heaven where God is. And so Paul wanted to go. And John now is getting a vision in the heaven. Listen, and guess what he wanted? I can tell you because he was a man like me. He wanted to go to heaven. Amen? And if you start reading this, you start saying, wait a minute, it's good stuff in heaven. Guess what you're going to long for? Heaven. And guess what you're going to want for everyone else you know? i got to get them to heaven. Whatever it takes, Lord. Have you ever prayed those prayers, Lord, whatever it takes? You pray those prayers, whatever it takes. Listen, God might use death. He might use accidents. He might use some circumstances you didn't expect because his ways are higher than your ways. And I'm going to challenge you today to pray. If you get a glimpse of heaven and the King of kings and the Lord of lords who sits on the throne, listen, to start praying, Lord, whatever it takes. Get all my people, get all my tribe, get all my friends, get everyone I know to heaven, Lord, because that's where I'm going and this is what it's going to look like. John was excited. Listen, John was shouting. He, this noise is going on and he, he, he keeps writing, it's like, and it's like, and he keeps hearing this, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And by the way, if you go back and check, I read this. I don't know if I'm 100% sure because I haven't seen it, but I've checked some. Hallelujah is only used in the Old Testament. This is the first time it appears in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation. So John's hearing this, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And it's loud and loud and louder as, as we get closer. And it actually, as we read, I read it fast, it increases as we read the Scripture. So God's divine justice is celebrated. Do we celebrate justice today? We do. When, somebody, when a judge orders what's right, we go, that's justice, right? And when a judge doesn't do what's right, we say, well, that's injustice. We get angry. We got, the rules are the rules. Have you done that before? Have you ever said that before? God, but why does this happen? Why are these things happening? Well, God is, listen, he's being celebrated because we said at the beginning of this message that God is righteous, didn't we? Didn't we say he's holy? He's righteous. So God's divine justice is celebrated because his judgments and true are righteous. 
He will exercise divine vengeance on the persecutors of his servants. God says, vengeance is mine, and guess what he means? Vengeance is his. God is going to judge this evil world system. You say, what about, is it actual Babylon? And here's my answer to you. It doesn't matter. It could be. It could be reestablished Babylon, but it's the world system. It's the satanic system driven by satanic forces. The church is not here on the ground, boots on the ground during this process. Look at the next point. If you would, heaven is loud with praise. All of heaven can only worship and shout, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, here's this. Watch this. It goes down. When you actually look and see when the voice comes again, a voice from the throne of God sparked even greater heavenly praise when God's power was acknowledged. John said he heard something like. He can't describe exactly what it was. He just says, you know, it was like, because it's the same thing we do, right? If you ever travel anywhere and somebody says, oh, what did you eat? And you said, I ate, fill in the blank. And we always say, what did it taste like? And they said, we say, we always say it tastes like chicken, right? For some reason, everything tastes like chicken. I saw a picture, Kenzie sent us a picture of her eating hog intestines with chopsticks. Now, they're not chitlins like we'd have up in Sally. These were boiled intestines. And so she asked for prayer. Obviously, they would have gospel conversations, but pray for her stomach because they're having to eat all these weird things, and they're eating abundance of it. So she's asking for prayer. Help God. Ask God to help us with our stomachs because we're, we're, we constantly are full and eating weird stuff. So she sent us that picture, and uh, she said, you can't eat it and slide it out and throw it away. Uh, so they were taking pictures with her so that she would actually know it got down. But here's what John says. He heard something like the shout of a vast multitude, right? When we were shouting, holy, 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 we were clapping, the noise level was a little bit louder in here. Could it get, could it get louder? Yeah, let's add another 10,000 people. Let's add another million people. Would it get louder? Yes, and it's contained here around the throne of God. And John says it was like the boom of many pounding waves. Have y'all heard, ever heard crashing waves? Yeah, that when storms come and the surge comes in and slaps, and it's over and over again, the power of that sound. Take that sound of the multitudes. Take that sound of the waves. And then John says, and it was something like the roar of mighty peals of thunder. Have you ever a cool thunderstorm, which is boom and boom and boom, and something that God's got bass on full throttle outside? Mix the bass of the thunder, mix the shout of the multitudes, mix the sound of the ocean waves. And what's happening before the throne of God, it just erupts. Angelic voices are erupting. The elders are erupting. And the multitudes, you and me that are there, are erupting in praise before God. We're saying God is so holy. God, you're so powerful. God, you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. We're doing the very thing. Listen, this is weird to put in your mind, but John sees you. There. Now, John doesn't know you. He's not omnipresent or he's not all knowing and he's not that, but you're standing in this pile of people. How does it make you think? If you're a Christian today, he's talking about you. When we think about what Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I pray for them, these ones you gave me, but not just these, the ones you will give me. When Jesus prayed for you in John 17, your name is there. Your name's right here. If you're invited to the banquet, listen, you're in the middle of this party. So if you're a quiet person here today, I got news for you. Everybody is going to be loud in heaven. Amen? Quiet people say, no, please, no. What would that be like? You're going to be loud in heaven. This is you. You're, you're actually reading about yourself. You can take your Bible and just write yourself right there. This is me. This is me. Verse 6, this is me. I'm right here. 
that multitude circle and put your initials by it because you're there. And everyone that you know that's a Christian is there. We as a church, or listen, we're there. We're, we're singing before the Lord because we're getting louder and louder because the intensity of, if you will, the results, the message yet to come is happening right here, right now. John says, goes on to say, that, listen, write these things down because it's important that it's important for the church to know, right? And that, and then important for you to know that you're going to be here. Yeah, what's going to be next? Because we always wonder what's next. What happens after I die? We don't know all the details, but here's what I want you to know. Listen, we end up here. We end up here at the celebration party. We end up here at the feast of the Lamb. We're here at a big party that God has thrown, and he's invited us to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. And John says this. He goes on and tells us, listen, this is all believers, by the way, from Pentecost to the rapture. This is the church. This is all of us. Old Testament saints, I don't believe, are here. We're going to talk about them at a later date. What John was instructed, listen, uh, sorry, John was saw the joy and gladness had filled heaven because the marriage of the Lamb had come. His bride had made herself ready. Did you know that the church in the Old Testament, Israel was called the bride of God? Did y'all know that? And did y'all know that God has been divorced? Did y'all know that? God divorced Israel? God says he hates divorce, but Israel betrayed him, and the Bible says that God divorced Israel. But there's a day of forgiveness coming for Israel, so Israel's not wiped completely out. And I don't believe in replacement theology where the church has replaced Israel, but we're called the bride of Christ. If you read in 2 Corinthians, and you also read in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is writing to the church, and he says, listen, ready yourself. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm telling you a mystery. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about Christ and his church. He's given us the example that we are the bride of Christ. How does that happen and what's the result of that? The answer is, I don't fully know. I know what the word of God says. Look back to your notes if you would. John was instructed by the angel of God to write the true and exact words of God. Here's the true and exact words from the word of God. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How about this? What if I walked around and I'm not going to embarrass you unless I know you, then I'll embarrass you. I know you well. How about if I walked around and said, hey, let me see your invitation. And you said, what invitation? The invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'll pick on Steve. He's our chairman of deacons. He should be saved. Wouldn't you agree? Steve, do you have your invitation to the marriage yes. supper? Yes, you do. Is it written? Yes. Where is it written? Book of life. In the Lamb's book of life. The invitation is written in the Lamb's book of life. So if you come back and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You go, yes, it is. That means you're invited to this feast. There's a feast before the throne of God that we're invited to. And so if you go back, you should be able to go up to somebody and say, hey, is your name written down? We used to sing, there's a new name written down in glory. And whose is it? It's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine, right? It's not because of anything we've done. We haven't earned it. We, we can't get to heaven and write our names down. Only the Lamb of God has permission over that book. And the only way to get there is through the blood that he shed for us. We'll even see that he actually is his robe. When we see his robe, it says, like Revelation 1, except it's been dipped in blood to represent, obviously, that he paid the full price for us. John saw heaven open and Jesus appeared on a white horse. And Jesus was called, and you need to finish my English there, faithful and true. And it was declared that in righteousness he judges and makes war. How can the Prince of Peace make war? Doesn't make sense to our minds, does it? It seems like, wait a minute, 
humble Jesus. We got this. How many of y'all had, uh, I call it the European version of Jesus? There's all kind of versions of him now in kids' picture Bibles. I don't love kids' picture Bibles, by the way, because I think they lead kids astray. Sometimes they show Samson like rocked out like he's the Incredible Hulk. Samson was average. He was an average dude because they couldn't figure out where his strength came from. It was supernatural. It wasn't natural. And when we see pictures of Jesus, like when I was a kid, all the King James Bible had Jesus with the sign of peace, and he was white, long-faced, and had kind of a hippie haircut with a split, like somebody hit him with an axe and kind of parted his hair, and uh, he was just like chilled. He was like totally chilled out. This doesn't look anything like Jesus, does it, that we actually see in the picture books. And he's not your friendly best friend hanging out with you. He's not a grandpa up in heaven. He's not black. He's not white. Listen, well, he's, you'll see that actually. Go back to Revelation 1. So we need to remind ourselves, what does he look like? He's not the old man up in heaven. You imagine calling Jesus the old man up in heaven? How many of you ever thought about that? Because sometimes we had to visualize Jesus, our God, when we'd pray to him, right? No images. We know that. We don't create things that say this is God. But sometimes we're wondering, God knew we as humans would wonder. And John wrote it down. Go back to Revelation chapter 1, if you would, just for a moment. Verse 14. John, I mean, Revelation 1, 14. Sorry. Revelation 1, 14. His head and hair were like what, church? White like wool and as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. His voice as the sound of many waters. His, he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went what? Sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And here's what John did when he saw him. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And he goes on to talk about who he, who he is himself. Not to spook John, not a boo factor, right? This was a, I am your Lord. I am your master. I am your king. Listen, but I am also your friend. I'm your brother. Get up. Now John sees him not as a Jewish man walking the streets of, of, of Jerusalem. He sees him now glorified as the king of kings and lord of lords. So when John experienced him, John walked with him here on earth. John knew him. And then John falls at his feet as dead, and Jesus picks John up because he still loves John. And i got to tell you this morning, he still loves you and me. He loves you as much as he loved you before the foundation of the earth. He loved you when he created man and woman, when he created Adam and Eve. He loved you then. You say, well, how did he know me? The Bible says he knows all things, and time is irrelevant with God. And God sees all things. And God sees you today, friends. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your troubles. And he wants to have a love relationship with you daily, not just at church on Sunday morning, not just when it's convenient. Every single day, he wants to go with you in your highs, and he wants to be with you in your lows. He wants to carry you through because he's the great God Almighty. Well, John saw his heavenly army following the King of kings and Lord of lords in the battle. It transitions from this celebratory worship after the marriage has marriage of the Lamb happens, and then the marriage feast happens, and I have a handout, Derek printed for you, or, or brought down, and are they at the doors? And there's a marriage uh, festival of the Lamb, marriage supper of the Lamb. We like to say supper in the South because we're in the South, right? This is where we get it from, the marriage supper. It's in the evening. It'll be the last portion of the celebration of the wedding, and there's handouts for, at the door. I want you to read those. It's very important to see 
what you're going to experience. And it's just another descriptor of what God has in store for his Christian uh, faithful. We'll go on. John saw another heavenly angel preparing for another feast. He declared a complete conquest of evil and a feast for the birds. He's going to give all the bodies of men, women, and children. He's going to give everyone who comes to this battle. He's going to give them all to the birds to eat. The Bible's clear evil powers and armies gather together to make war against the lamb and his army. Can you think about, some people say, what's well, very, this is just symbolic language. This is, uh, this is images from heaven. Whether it be an image or whether it be symbolic, whether it be literal, listen. The Bible says Jesus is coming back. And the Bible says his people are coming back with him. So there's no way, this is not the rapture because we've already had to be there to get back here. Understand? It's a complete cycle. We have to go up to come back down. And Jesus is coming back down with us behind him. And here's the good news. We have nothing to do besides ride behind him. Now, I don't know if Garrett got a picture. I was trying to work really hard to get this picture. And I'm not endorsing anything, so please don't walk out and say, I bet the pastor gets a commission off that. Y'all, have y'all seen this commercial? It's Capital One commercial. They're talking about how easy banking is. Does anybody know the, the tall guy? Charles Barkley? Anybody know Charles Barkley? So in the commercial, the girl and the boy on the left, or, yeah, your left, are choosing sides. Who's going to be on their basketball team? And so it's just a minute, and the girl points out, and it says it's as easy as this. And she goes, I'll take Barkley. And then he, he laughs at the little boy to his left and laughs at him and said, I told you I was going to get picked first. Who's going to win that basketball game as soon as they, the girl chooses Barkley? Does anybody have any question about who's going to win the game? The two on the so the green shirt on the left or the white shirt girl with the white shirt who's going which team is going to win? The girl with the white shirt on is going to win why? Because she has Charles Barkley, a professional NBA player. He's retired, but still listen. Look at all the kid sizes. So I, this image came to my mind. I'm like, Lord, I, we wanted to have a war image, of course, but a lot of times if we match weapon versus weapon, we can see oh that weapon could counter this weapon. Well, here there's nothing that can happen on the court that can counter that. Right? What's going to happen to the basketball? Are the kids ever going to have a shot? Are the little kids going to get a shot? The other team's not going to score, and, the little, and they can score at will. All right, we take that down. I want you to see this. Listen, when we talk about King of Kings and Lord of Lords, when Jesus Christ returns and we, we're part of the army, by the way, if you never enlisted or you're never an officer, you're going to be enlisted into the army, just for the record. When you get into the marriage, you're, you're in the army. It bothers me too, I know. The Lord could have had a navy. We could have come sailing back or something. Uh, uh, an Air Force, but Army. We're all going to be in the Army again behind Christ coming back. And listen, does the Antichrist, the beast, Satan at all, any of the angels, any of the created beings have any opportunity to score against God? Not one iota. Isn't that amazing to think about? There is no chance for Satan to win. There is no opportunity for Satan to get the point ahead. There's no chance for Satan to even score. Not one arrow, not one bullet, not one missile, not one whatever he uses. What is God going to use? He's going to speak, and it happens. Did you know that God spoke life into Adam? He breathed, of course. But he was, his word, the very word of God, brought life. And the very word of God can bring death. And God's just going to stand and speak even greater than a, Charles Barkley, if you were playing kids basketball, this angel, he declared a complete conquest of evil. Evil powers gathered. 
And here we'll see the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet who assigned the mark of the beast were snatched up. They were snatched up and hurled into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. They were thrown in, the Bible says, alive. And finally, the armies of the beast were killed with the sword of the Spirit, which proceeded from the mouth of Christ. The birds fed ravenously and gorged themselves with their flesh. The question for us today is, as we close, is are we, are you participating in the will of God? Do you have a testimony that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? If somebody says, hey, the best people to ask is your family. Does he, does she live like she loves, like he loves Jesus? Your kids know. The, your friends, your coworkers know. The people who go to school with you know. The question is for you to know. Do you know that you have the testimony of Jesus Christ? You say, well, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. That's, that's good. But is your witness that of Christ? I'm not saying being perfect, but I'm saying, are you living like you're going to heaven? Are you living like you're going to meet Jesus Christ one day face to face? So for us, listen, if the answer is no, here's the good news about Christ. He says in 1 John 1, 9, you know it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make us exactly right back where we started with him through the blood of Christ. If we do that. And when we do that, listen, we can live a holy and righteous life before God. No more fear. No more necessarily anxiety when it comes to wondering what if. But if you've never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're here also. You're pictured right here in the same text, different verse. We are at the marriage supper of the Lamb, those of us that are Christians, and you are there at the feast of the birds being destroyed by God. If you live long enough, it happens within our time frame. But the end result is this. With God forever, believers... Away from God forever, unbelievers. With God in heaven, away from God in hell. It's a terrible place to be, either way how it works, being away from God. So my challenge to you today is this. And listen carefully. I know some of us is getting close to lunch. We're thinking about what we're going to go eat. Do you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? If you know, your knowledge replaces your fear. If you come today and say, I, don't wanna, I haven't heard anything because you talked about fathers. We're missing fathers. Fathers are missing in action. Some have passed on. We know, we know every stripe under the sun is represented here today. We're talking about our Heavenly Father. Put your earthly father aside for a second. And God, listen, he can heal those wounds for you. And he can make a better day for you. Or he can celebrate with you today. But he wants to do business with you. He don't want you to blame anybody else. And listen, take everything. You were hurt as a kid all the way through. Fill it up. I don't know. Put that aside this morning and hear Jesus say, I love you. Hear him say, I want to forgive you, and I want you to be my bride. I want you to be my love at my love fest, my festival that I'm throwing in heaven. He's, listen, as if he begs us, even though he pleads with us, he doesn't beg us. He'll never force you, but he asks over and over again, why do we have preachers preaching on every corner today? Why do we have churches open today? Why do we have those 79 missionaries going out to tell people, listen, we're begging. We're asking people, come to the king. Because he has a banquet one day for you. The question is, have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. Praise God. If the answer is no, listen, let today be the day of celebration for you that you say, I just want to fully surrender. I'm done. I give up. I want Christ in me and me in Christ. And when you do that, the Bible says he will instantly, just like over the hospital, 
when the music plays, if you walk into the hospital, you hear the lullabies play in Aiken Hospital. You ever been there when you heard it? That means a new baby has been born. Well, the same thing happened in heaven before this celebration. The Bible says there's a celebration before the throne of God. When you give your hard life to Jesus Christ, and that's by asking him to come into your life and forgive you, the Bible says there is a celebration before the throne of God. Just like that music plays at the hospital, that music plays in heaven. Isn't that a sweet thing? My name was there one day, and my name was the banner over the party, and it can be yours as well. Let's pray together. God, our Father, Lord, we know that you, you know all things, and Lord, we can do nothing, Lord, apart from you. Especially salvation, especially trying to get our name on this roll. There's nothing we can do to earn it. But you've told us, Lord, that you actually will assign us there. Write it down yourself in the book. You'll write our names down, Lord, because of what you did for us. And because we put our faith and trust in you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, we don't know how all of this works except that we just do it. What you say to do it, we say, yes, sir, and we do it. And, Lord, you've made many of us new again because we ask. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters today that they would actually be witnesses for you. And I pray for those lost folks that are here today that, Lord, they would give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and care for us. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake.